SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. And that's where you find us 104 to 107 104 107 and uh, your sms is at 40938 charged at 1.50 and uh, also taking your calls on 0891-104-207 and joining us right now to look at uh, political unrest during election time and i guess when we talk about the unrest it's not only about the violence that uh, comes with uh, election time electioneering and also you know some uh, gross violations of uh, human rights um, be it um, a human right to privacy and I guess uh, once you become a political figure uh, your privacy uh, falls off and uh, that's what we're going to be looking at political unrest uh, during election time in Africa and joining us uh, right now is Alufundo Alufundo Akundiro uh, who is head of uh, elections at political processes and uh, this is for uh, the Electoral Institution for Sustainable Democracy in Africa. Good afternoon and welcome, Olufunto. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for taking my call. I don't know if we can actually exhaust this conversation. um, That, I mean, why do uh, more and more African uh, countries, uh, when it comes to elections, it's very difficult uh, to put elections and and fair in the same sentence uh, when it comes to African uh, countries? Well, you're right. It's a very broad topic to try to broach. And um, first to start by saying, I mean, thinking of elections in Africa, to say that Africa cannot be taken, you know, in one felt swap to say it's just one space where all countries view elections as the same. Mm. So first of all, the difference in the context, the differences in the context within which we all operate our electoral systems first of all, make a whole lot of different, different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about it on regional terms. When you move from Southern Africa to East Africa to West Africa to North Africa, the trends are very different. And the forms of violence you see, even though some forms of violence um, seem to be more manifest during elections, I think violence across Africa has taken um, different shapes and the impact on the electoral process um, differently. Um, so that's why I think, first of all, it's a very diverse space. Yeah. Um, one, there's also the two. There's also the question of the socio-economic context in which we mm. work. There's so much poverty. There's a lot of corruption, and um, state power. Being in office is still the main source of getting wealth in most. I'm not saying all. Yeah. In yeah. most African countries. But do uh, voters uh, within these countries, do they understand the power that comes uh, with a vote? That's a good question. Um, I don't think we've come to that point in Africa where people go to the ballot being fully informed mm. and knowing fully well that this is my power, this is my right. The right to participate in public affairs is still a political right that most governments still don't fully understand. 
And I think things are also getting worse as we get into this space of social media information and disinformation and misinformation Mm. where people now don't even know where to get the appropriate information they need to make them informed voters, to make them informed citizens. So I don't think across board, I wouldn't say that, I mean, African citizens have come to that point where they know that when I hold a ballot and I walk into the polling booth, I am making a decision that has long-standing implications for my country for the next four years or the next five years. There's also the question of mistrust. I don't know Mm. if you're aware of the Afrobarometer survey that was done last year and across the different countries where it was done, I think there was a survey in Ghana, there was one in, in Kenya, there was in South Africa, and the electoral commissions happened to be one of the top, I think it was the, the third, if I'm right, a public institution that people said, no, we don't have a lot of trust. In, in politicians? Not politicians, I'm talking of Oh, the system. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that lack of trust as well makes it difficult for people to fully understand that when I cast my ballot, what really happens to it? Does it hold any power? Mm. It is still very easy for votes to be bought off a voter. So are there different kinds of political unrest that uh, we we get exposed to during election time? Definitely. I mean, um, that's why I said Africa is going through different forms of violence. Mm. Some are more pronounced during the period of elections. I mean, political violence is any form of violence that has a political motivation to it. So electoral violence is basically just one aspect of violence and the level of insecurity the 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 growing trend of terrorism and religious extremism across the continent especially in spots like um south west africa the sahel and as you go to east africa as well these factors even though they are not political have gradually found themselves within the political space and you find that in the countries that are successful susceptible to these um, terrorists or religious extremist groups, mm. you'll find that election time is when you see a lot of that kind, those kinds of attacks coming through. And the, uh, the issue of security then becomes a very political issue. Uh, for instance, you look at Nigeria 2015, one of the key um, issues in the election was who can guarantee security in this country? Who can take mm. Boko Haram for us? And so you be, you see violence and terrorism and all that becoming quite politicized. That's that I just thought to mention that. Yeah. So I, I mean, we we've been talking about this uh, for the longest time. Do we have any good stories uh, to tell when it comes to elections uh, in in Africa? Uh, look, like I said, I mean, it's difficult to just say elections in Africa because mm. you're looking at... It's too broad, yeah. Five ...different countries. And I don't think it's all a story of doom and yeah, doom. Yeah. shame. Um, and also to just say that when people talk of free and fair elections and then people are saying, oh, but we don't have it in Africa, where exactly in the world are mm. there free and fair elections? These are just ideals that we all work towards. 
But that does not mean that we need to sit where we are. There must be some level of progress or improvement. And I would say that some countries have crossed that, you know, that space where you can now say, oh, great, this is fine. Countries like Ghana, for instance, Mm. where you see elections being won with a very, very, very small margin. Small margin, yeah. And people are not in the streets. People are not dead in the streets. So every African country is not a story of woe and doom and shame. Mm. I mean, in terms of um, violence, I think generally, I mean, the the fear of violence is there. But widespread violence during elections, I would say gradually it's reducing within the Africa. Gradually, I said, Mm. it's reducing within the African space. However, this does not mean the quality of our elections. Uh, improving is improving at all. I know that uh, you touched a little bit on this earlier, but I had not asked the question, what is at the center of uh, the conflicts that we've seen in, in some of the countries that uh, we know of that have experienced these unrest? Um First of all, I think the issue of ethnicity is a big one. Mm. Um, countries like Kenya, Nigeria, you you just see that the whole violence is always ethnic-based, but during elections it's worse because political support is tied to ethnic support. And people are targeted for their ethnicity just because they know that if you're from XYZ tribe, it means you are supporting XYZ candidates, so therefore you're a political opponent. Mm-hmm. That's the first. So issue of ethnicity. Religion also plays a part in countries that are very, very divided along religious lines. Central Africa Republic, for instance, Nigeria, for instance. Um, That's another issue that is at the basis of it. Then we look at issues of widespread poverty and and corruption, Mm. where people just cannot feed themselves. And for them, voting the election period is where they think Whatever it is, the candidate I trust, I will put my vote down and I will protect that vote regardless of it. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right, let's take calls now, uh, 0891-104-207 and uh, some of your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. We're both on Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio and uh, hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. We have Mike in Middlebeck. Uh, good afternoon, um, uh, Mike. I just want to acknowledge... Uh, that uh, you are holding uh, and we'll take your call straight after this. Yeah, and uh, as we have these conversations, uh, giving you an opportunity to connect uh, with us uh, via these connection points at SAFM Radio, Twitter and Facebook, and uh, we also are just uh, taking your SMSs. Uh, Let's take uh, Mike and Middlebeck. Good afternoon. Thank you so much uh, for your patience. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, uh, Chris guest, and thanks for taking my call. In, in his song titled Not Gonna Give It Up from the album Mama Africa, mm. the late great Peter Tosh acknowledges this uh, problem. He says um, our continent is the richest uh, in terms of mineral resources, but we're the poorest because of uh, these conflicts and uh, poor management. But by and large, this is attributed to the conflict uh, with regard to access, uh, you know, to these resources. Mm. Uh, in my view, ethnicity 
security and other factors your guest has mentioned, uh, yes, they might be important, but they, they, they are secondary because it is all about greed. It mm. is all about uh, selfishness. People can even kill their own just to access this resource. Mm. And mm. Uh, we, we, are not, we are not exonerated here in South Africa, Griselda. It's just that it is not uh, happening at the scale in which it's happening in other countries. You look mm. at factionalism and all these um, inner party conflicts uh, in our case here. You look at the extent of corruption that is happening where people can go at all lengths, you know, just to access the resources and they really get what they want to get. Yeah. They can go at any length. The killings in KZN, uh, so it, it is It is really, really unfortunate, but we must acknowledge that it is a problem. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for for your call. Thank you very much uh, for calling us, Mike. Uh, now, Olofundo, let's talk about, I mean, post-elections um, within Kenya. Uh, what is your take now? I mean, it's interesting that uh, uh, we talk about these unrest and, and, and the fact that uh, uh, there are conflicts, uh, but Kenya seems to be doing very well in tourism. Certainly, I mean, you're right that they're doing well. I don't know if very well is the way to put it because the fear of terrorism is still there and yeah. still rife. Um, well, when the Minister of uh, Tourism says we're doing well, I guess <laughs> you can take that as, as truth with a pinch of salt. Yeah, but, you said, but I just think to put that caveat because, yes, the political violence has come and gone and mm. post-election, as you're aware, the two uh, candidates came together, shook hands, and told the nation we need to move on, and questions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and things may seem to have gone to normal, but you wait until the next election. Aye. That's when you know that the root causes of it are not far away. Kenya is a good example of a country that has dressed violence from the systemic point of view. They've made extensive legal reforms, they have changed the system of government to make it more decentralized. And like Mike said, it's all about access to power. To power. So we want to decentralize the, 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 the number of spaces where people can access power. Maybe things will be more quiet. Mozambique is another country that is going that way, where they are saying, well, let's decentralize things mm. and let's see whether as many parties as possible can get into these spaces. But I'm not sure that these reforms are really leading to what it is, because Kenya post-2017, the results still show you that voting was still along ethnic lines. And parties what, retained their strongholds. What's your take on, on term limits? Um, because some of them, I mean, we look at uh, cases like Zimbabwe, where uh, the former president would say it's the will of the people. And, and at times the people also just keep voting for what they don't want. And, and <laughs> what is your opinion on this? Look, the issue of term limits for me because I speak from a more technical perspective. Yeah, mm. sometimes people will say it's the, it's the law of our country and let's, if we like, let's leave it open. Ah. Um, I mean, there are a good number of Western countries that don't have term limits in their constitution, but what is the difference? The question is, is it possible for you to leave it open-ended and yet have competitive elections? Mm. Because as long as I'm in power, 
the incumbency factor works in my favor. That's I it. am able to stifle the opposition. I am able to change the laws, especially if my party has um, a majority in parliament. Mm-hmm. So the question when you think of tenor limits is, can we really have an open-ended thing and at the same time have competitive elections? Mm. Experience has shown that it is not possible because whoever has power does whatever is within his power to hold on to it. So when there is nothing restraining that power, how easy do you think it is to open up competition? Look at countries like Uganda. Sure. Zimbabwe as well. Rwanda. Is there any form of opposition there? So that, that for, for me, is the big question. And you found that regions like West Africa tried to actually put protocol on democracy and governance, a clause to say presidents don't stay beyond two terms. And some countries started that process by saying, no, you can't impose on us. It's the law of our country. If the people want us, they'll vote. But within what kind of context? Is it a free and competitive context that you've allowed the people to decide? Yeah, those are good questions. (laughs) That's the big question right there. I'm afraid that's where we're going to leave this conversation. And I am hoping that uh, we continue just opening up and asking uh, deeper questions as we get Africa to function better. Thank you for taking our call. And Thank you so much. I have to uh, just post some bragging rights and say you and I uh, have someone that we know um, and, and uh, she passes her regards and, and that's Mojang Kukumbi. <laughs> I know she would kill me for saying this, uh, but I thought I'd, I'd just throw that in. Uh, advocate, thank you so much uh, for listening and uh, do drive safely. Uh, that's where we leave this conversation. Olufunto Kinduro, uh, uh, who is, um, uh, this is I'm an African. She's, uh, talk, she was talking about uh, political unrest during election time in Africa. And uh, she is head of elections and political uh, processes uh, from the Department of Electoral Institute for Sustainable Democracy in Africa.